The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Good morning and welcome to Ambassador Baptist Church as we continue in our sermon series entitled, Who Do You Think You Are? We're going verse by verse through the portion of the Bible that's known as Ephesians, looking specifically at our identity in Christ. What does God say, or who does God say that we are? This morning we're going to be in Ephesians chapter number 3. If you turn in your Bibles there, Ephesians chapter number 3. On your way in, you should have received a service program. You can use that to help us as we go through the Bible study this morning. The uh, verses will also be up on the screen. Ephesians chapter number 3. We're going to read verse number 1, and then we're going to skip over to verse number 13. If you would please stand with me as we read God's word this morning. Ephesians chapter uh, 3, verse number 1. The Bible says, For this cause I, Paul, get this, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. Now look over at verse 13. He says, Wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulation for you, which is your glory. This morning, pastors are going to bring a message simply entitled, I am afflicted. The Apostle Paul, as he made his missionary journeys, uh, spent several, several times in prison. And uh, this passage refers to one of those times. In fact, uh, historians and theologians concur that Paul spent and lived approximately to be 61 years old. And of those 61 years, the Apostle Paul spent five and a half to six years in prison. Uh, During Paul's second missionary journey, this would have been late uh, 49 A.D., He spent an unspecified time in the Philippian jail cell with his fellow evangelist Silas. Now this would be found in Acts 16. I believe even the guys have a picture here of the Philippian jail. And uh, you can literally go to the ruins today. And this is one picture. I think we even have another one uh, of another aspect of the ruins. Uh, Some uh, historians believe this was the actual cell uh, that the Apostle Paul would have stayed in while he was imprisoned there uh, in Philippi. Uh, Later on in AD 58, uh, Paul was arrested again by Roman troops who saved him from being killed in a temple riot. And uh, some of you might remember the story from Acts chapter number 25. It was there he was taken to Caesarea uh, um, and spends a little more than two years in a prison known as Mamertine. All right, and I believe we've got some pictures of this. To give you some idea of how prisons would be uh, back in these ancient times, I've got some pictures. In this particular sense, uh, you would walk into the prison area, and then there would be these stairs that would literally lead you underground. And so they would take these stairs down to an underground cellar, which would lead you to a room that looks something like this, below the surface of the earth. Uh, you would then be walked into this room. And literally the prison cell, specifically here at Mamertine, would be down in a hole. And so once you got down into this cellar, uh, there were these holes and you would be dropped down into these holes in the ground. And uh, inside the hole was a little dugout cavern. And this is where the Apostle Paul would have been spending his time in prison. So uh, like when he's writing, rejoice evermore. (laughs) This is where he's at, you know. And uh, when he says, in everything give thanks. 
This is the context in which he's giving these realities. And, and, and prisons in the 21st century are a little different than prisons here in those day and age. It was then in AD 66 that the Apostle Paul was imprisoned in Rome once again uh, before he was ultimately there uh, killed. Now, here's what I want you to notice from Ephesians chapter number 3 and verse number 1 as we dive into our study this morning. Notice here what it says. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of, notice these next two words, Jesus Christ. Now before we get into what exactly that means, I want you to notice what he does not say. The Apostle Paul does not say, oh here I am, Paul the prisoner of Rome. It's not what he says. He doesn't say, I the prisoner of the Romans. Blaming it on a people. He doesn't say Paul the prisoner of Philippi. Blaming it on a geographic location or a particular culture. He doesn't say a prisoner of the Gentiles as if somehow it's the society's fault. He doesn't say I, Paul, a prisoner of Jerusalem. Those religious people. He doesn't say I, the Paul, the prisoner of the Jews. He doesn't say Paul, a prisoner of Mamertine. He says I, Paul... The prisoner of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I want you to see today, and that is simply this. Paul understood something about the trials that he found himself in. Paul had a perspective about his problems that oftentimes we can sometimes miss. Because oftentimes when I'm going through a trial, when I'm going through a difficulty, when I'm going through a hard time, I want to point fingers. I want to point fingers at this circumstance. I want to point fingers at that person. I want to point fingers at those situations. And I'm like, I'm going through a difficult time. I'm going through a trial. I'm going through a hardship. And it's that person's fault. It's those person's fault. It's this situation's fault. It's that situation, that circumstance's fault. And yet, what Paul understood is it wasn't about the circumstances. It wasn't about the situation It wasn't even about the people who literally put him in chains and in bonds and drag him to that place. You see, uh, Paul had a, a different perspective. He had what I like to refer to as a gospel perspective. And he recognized as he was going through these times that he was not a prisoner of Rome or of the Gentiles or of the Jews or of Jerusalem or of Mamertine. He was a prisoner of Jesus Christ. That the reason he was in the trial he was in, the reason he was in the state he was in, the reason he was in the situation he was in, get this, is because God allowed it to happen. God in his provident sovereignty recognized that it would be good for him to go through those prisons. And so the next time you and I get tempted to start pointing fingers at why we're feeling the way we're feeling or pointing at circumstances for why I'm going through what I'm going through or, or, or kind of uh, giving the blame towards some situation, may we, like the Apostle Paul, have a perspective that says, no, I am a prisoner not of circumstances. I am a prisoner not of this situation. I am a prisoner not of this relationship. No, I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. A gracious, benevolent, 
loving Heavenly Father that would never allow something or someone into my life that could ultimately hurt me in a way that would be outside of God's provident plan. 2 Timothy chapter number 3, verse 12 says it this way. Paul says to young Timothy, he's mentoring him, and he says in 2 Timothy 3.12, Yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus, notice this, shall suffer persecution. It doesn't say might suffer persecution. It doesn't say could suffer persecution. It says they will suffer persecution. Which leads us to our first thought this morning, and that is simply this. Pain is inevitable. If you're taking notes there in your service program, I want you to write that down. Underline it as many times as you need to. Highlight it. Circle it. Do whatever you need to do. Because a lot of Christians forget this. Pain is inevitable. As a believer, you will hurt. As a Christian, you will go through pain. As a believer, there will be seasons of hardship and difficulty and trial. Pain is inevitable. I believe this is in your service program, but I want you to ponder it for a moment. If we are truly in Christ, then we should expect to suffer like Christ, and we should expect to suffer for Christ. My friend, if Jesus Christ suffered, then we as his followers need to expect suffering in our lives as well. 1 Peter chapter number 4 goes on to elaborate where it says, Beloved, think this not strange. What, what, What should we not think is strange? The fiery trials, which is to try you, as though some strange, that word literally means, or uncommon thing is happening to you. It's as if the apostle Peter is saying, hey, when you go through trials and when you're going through difficulties, don't think that it's uncommon. Don't believe it to be strange and weird. No, pain is inevitable. Suffering is inevitable. Hardships are inevitable. Difficulties are inevitable. Um, Scott Peck was an author who, in the late 1970s, uh, wrote a New York Times best-selling book entitled The Road Less Traveled, based on the quote that sometimes we'll often refer to. In this particular book, it went on to spend 13 years on the New York Times bestseller list. In fact, over... Since he wrote it, it sold over 10 million copies worldwide and has been translated into 20 different languages. Here is the first sentence of his book. Life is difficult. And that's where he begins. Can I say this? Your life is going to be difficult. Because pain is inevitable. At times, your marriage will be difficult. Because pain is inevitable. At times, your family will be, get difficult. Because pain is inevitable. In moments, being a church member will be difficult. Because we are human beings and pain is inevitable. When you go to work, there will be moments 
where it will be difficult because pain is inevitable. There will be times in your relationships with people that you love and it will get incredibly difficult. Why? Because pain is inevitable. I don't know where this theology came from, but there are many Christians, and I don't know if it comes from watching televangelists or where this theology, this false doctrine comes from, but there's a lot of Christians who believe they are entitled to no suffering. It is a false doctrine, and it is not of God. To believe that because somehow you're a Christian, you are entitled to no longer have to experience the suffering that comes along with being a human being is unfortunately not true. Life is difficult. Relationships are painful. Marriages at times are hard. And being a church member is sometimes not easy. Why? Because pain is is inevitable. What I love is you study the prison epistles, uh, which are referred to as Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon. Uh, These epistles written by the Apostle Paul were written while he was in prison. And what's amazing is you don't ever find him complaining about it. In fact, Philippians is known as one of the happiest books in the entire Bible, and it was written from a jail cell dug in the middle of the earth. That's where this came from. You see, the Apostle Paul understood something, that just because he was now a believer, just because he was now a Christian, didn't somehow exempt him from suffering, exempt him from pain, exempt him from difficulties, and exempt him from frustration. He did not feel like he was entitled somehow to live a life free of difficulty just because he prayed to Jesus. Pain is inevitable. C.S. Lewis had this to say about pain. He said, stop regarding all the unpleasant things as interruptions of your real life. They are precisely your real life. See, some of you are like, oh, life was going so good, and then all of a sudden, that happened. I just want to get back to my life. Oh, life was going so good, and then she happened. I just want to get back to my life. Life was going so good until until that happened. I just want to get back to my life. I want to say this. The pain, the difficulty, the hardships, that is your life. That's it. This, the pain and the brokenness and the suffering and the hurt, the physical trials, this is your real life. This is it. I was talking to a gentleman on the way in. I could see he was kind of hobbling in a little bit. and I spoke to Manuel and his arthritis is kind of flaring up on him. That stinks. That's horrible. Pain is inevitable. That's not to downplay what you're going through. I'm not trying to make light of your difficult marriage or your difficult physical health situations, but I'm trying to remind you of a spiritual reality, and that is this. Just because you're a believer doesn't exempt you, doesn't entitle you somehow to to not suffer anymore. You don't have an accurate view of God if you believe that somehow he owes you 
something different than the suffering you're going through now. Let me caveat this with this next statement. As we live out the word of God, I will say there are some natural consequences, some natural sowing and reaping ramifications that we will avoid if we follow this path. Just the natural, the natural progression of life, you're going to avoid some things. Praise God for that. However, you will not avoid being part of this thing called broken humanity. Your life will suffer. Now let's keep moving, because this is what I find interesting. There was a perspective difference in the Apostle Paul. Now, you'll remember two weeks ago, we really preached through verses number 2 through verses number 12, all right? So we covered that. Remember, Paul goes on this detour. We talked about that, and we kind of covered that two weeks ago. And now we're going to come to verses number uh, 1 and verse number 13. So, so what does Paul say, verse number 13? Because of this, because he's a prisoner, because he's afflicted, wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you. Paul was literally saying, I'm willing to suffer because I love you. I'm willing to suffer because I care for you. This is for you. It's not for my good. It's not for my glory. He said, this is for you, verse 13, which is your, get this, glory. Now, I want you to zone in on this for a moment because suffering is glorious from heaven's perspective. See, we tend to look at the good things as being glorious and the bad things as being kind of this detour of life. We've got to get a Pauline gospel perspective. Your detours and your pain and your suffering and your difficulties aren't the detours. They literally are your life. And God wants to give you a new perspective. He wants to give you a new paradigm on which you view these gospel realities. I think it's amazing. How many of you remember the story when the Apostle Paul was put in the Philippian jail and he gets put in stocks and bonds? He's just been whipped. He's just been tortured. And like, what's the first thing he starts doing? Does anybody remember? He starts giving thanks, praising God, and worshiping in song. I mean, seriously, what's wrong with Paul's head? I'm, I'm seriously. When you're going through difficult, like your marriage is difficult or you've got a relationship at work and it's not jiving, you're, you're, you're upset with somebody at the church, you're upset with me, you're upset with somebody else around here, you're hurting because this person didn't treat you right, you're hurting because your spouse isn't treating you the way you believe, is that what you do? When you find yourself a prisoner of Christ, because if you're like me, I get tempted to become bitter. If you're like me, I get tempted to start gossiping. If you're like me, you get tempted to start resenting. And yet, Paul was different. He had a gospel perspective about pain and suffering that I'm just going to say most modern Christians don't have. Well, that was the Apostle Paul, like he was some super Christian. No. He was a Christian filled with the Spirit of Christ who allowed Christ to live in and through him. In fact, this is what the Apostle Paul says to the church at Corinth in chapter number 12, verse 10. He says, I therefore take pleasure in infirmities. What, Paul? You do what? He says, I pleasure in them. I like them. (laughs) What? (laughs) That's crazy. He says, I I pleasure in reproaches. That's when people slander me. I kind of like it. I pleasure in it. 
How do you do when people slander you? How do you respond? In necessities. That's when I'm lacking. I don't have enough food. I don't have enough clothes. He says, I can take pleasure in that. He says, when I'm being persecuted, remember when I was getting whipped by those Romans? Pleasure. Distresses for Christ's sake. Why? Why, Paul? You're crazy. What's wrong with your head? He says this. For when I am weak, then, and only then, am I really strong. Here's what I need us to understand this morning. Most of us do not have a gospel perspective of trials. We see blessings as good, trials bad. Good, what a blessing. Difficulties, bad. You, we don't have a gospel perspective of pain if we see blessing as being good and hardship as being bad. You do not view it through heaven's lenses. Because Paul had a gospel perspective, a gospel paradigm when he was going through pain and when he was going through necessities and when he was being slandered and he was being reproached and he was being gossiped about, he could pleasure in it. Why? Because he didn't think like we think. He didn't see pain and suffering and trials like we see pain, suffering and trials. He saw it as something good, which leads us here to our second thought. First, we saw pain is inevitable. That's what the Apostle Paul is trying to drive home, which leads us to our second thought, and that is simply this. While pain is inevitable, number two, misery is optional. You see, Paul was saying, I I can't help. I got thrown into prison. That's inevitable. I was shipwrecked. That's inevitable. I had people slander me. That's inevitable. But he says, misery? I don't have to do that. I don't have to wallow in self-pity. I don't have to become miserable. I don't have to become frustrated. I don't have to become resentful. I don't have to gossip. I don't have to become bitter. Why? Because while pain is inevitable, the the act of misery, that is entirely your choice. So how do we do this? Some of you might be familiar with the Puritan preacher by the name of John Bunyan. I'm not talking about Paul Bunyan. (laughs) You're the guy with the axe that couldn't... No. John Bunyan, the Puritan preacher from the 1600s. In Bedford, England, he was arrested for preaching without a license. Um, He was then jailed for six months. Previously, he had spent 12 years in prison, during which time he had written many books and pamphlets, all right? So when he was in prison, he had written some of these pamphlets and And one day, as he was getting ready to be taken off to prison for preaching publicly without a license from the state, he said this. He said, I have been away from my writing for far too long. Maybe this time in prison will be an office from which I can reach the world with Christ's message. Now, get what he said. As he was being dragged to prison, he was like, good. Finally, I'll have time to write again. What a perspective. You say, what's crazy about that? While he was in prison for those months, he wrote a little book. Maybe you're familiar with it. It was called The Pilgrim's Progress. It became the biggest selling 
fiction book in the history of the English language. Wow. Why? You see, John Bunyan had a gospel perspective towards suffering. He didn't look at suffering like you look at it. He didn't say, blessings, good, pain, bad. No. When God allows blessings, that's good. And when God allows suffering, that's good too. It was a gospel perspective of suffering. Can I say this? And it might be in your notes. Oftentimes, your problems are simply a matter of perspective. You know, a lot of what you go through, a lot of the misery that you experience is not the fault of that person you don't like. It's not your spouse's fault. It's not your church's fault or your pastor's fault. It's not your boss's fault or your co-worker's fault. It's not your parents' fault or your children's fault. It's we have a wrong perspective. And the perspective skews everything. Can, I, can you afford me 10 minutes as we kind of wrap this up here a little bit? And I want to share you a couple of individuals who had a gospel perspective to suffering. When I think about suffering in the Old Testament, a couple of names come to mind. Uh, how many of you would think of Job when we talked about suffering in the Old Testament? I think most of us could think of Job. Uh, another person who comes to mind is a, is a young man by the name of Joseph. How many of you remember the story of Joseph? Thirteen years, got put in a pit, and then he became a prisoner. And then he got lied and slandered about. I mean, for 13 years, this boy just suffered. And he comes to the, toward the middle of his life, and he has some kids. You've heard this before from Genesis 41. And he's about to have a boy, and he wants to name his son. And, and this is just so enlightening to me, because it says in Genesis 41, 51, Joseph called the name of his firstborn, here's what he names him, Manasseh. Joseph, why did you name your son Manasseh? What does that mean? And he goes on to say, Manasseh, meaning for God, hath made me forget all my toil. I want to say to the Ambassador Baptist Church, I love you guys so much. I care about you. Can you give me a couple minutes to help you? Because some of you are suffering and you're in misery and it's just so eating you from the inside out. And I want to help you right now. Because I don't want you to live in misery. I understand. I can't do anything about your pain. Manuel, I can't do anything about your arthritis. You know, Lori, I can't do anything about your MS. Some of you, I can't do anything necessarily about where you are in your marriages. The pain, the pain's inevitable. But can I help you for a moment with your misery? Because some of you are suffering miserably in ways that you don't have to be, and I want to help you. Because you're, you're, you're miserable at work. Some of you are just miserable in your marriage. Some of you are miserable every time you come to church. This place just bothers you. You're miserable when you have to spend time with your family, your kids. You're miserable. Every time you have to talk with your boss, it just makes you miserable. Can I say this? While pain is inevitable, your misery is optional. And I want you to see what Joseph did here. Notice what it says. 
He says, I'm going to call him Manasseh. Why? Because God made me forget all my toil. Now, let me clarify this for a second. We are not talking about cerebral amnesia here. It wasn't like somebody hit Joseph on the top of the head and all of a sudden he just forgot that his brothers tried to murder him. (laughs) That's not what was going on here. It's not like he got, you know, fell over, slipped, hit his head, and all of a sudden he forgot, you know, that they put him in a pit, sold him into slavery, made him a prisoner, got lied about and slandered and gossiped about, accused of sins he never committed, thrown in a prison and and forgotten for good. It's not like he got hit over the head with that and all of a sudden he forgot. This is not cerebral amnesia. Here's what's taking place. This, my friend, is spiritual amnesia. And some of you, we need to ask God for his grace to help us forget some things that we are holding on to so tightly right now and we're not able to let them go. And here's what happens, all right? I think they're gonna maybe throw this on the screen. You see, Joseph, when he says, I've forgotten, here's what he's saying. He's saying, I'm no longer going to look at my circumstances. I'm no longer going to look at my situation. I'm no longer going to look at my environment through the lens of that pain. When I look at my brothers, I'm not going to see them through the pain they caused me. When I look at those people who, who left me in that pit, I'm not going to see them through the hurt that they drove into me. When I look at Egypt, I'm not going to look at Egypt as if they're the one who stole my life away. He says, I'm going to forget. There's spiritual amnesia. No longer is that circumstance, that event, that situation, those people, that relationship, no longer does the pain that they cause me become the glasses through which I look to see everything about them anymore. And this is so big. You've got to get this. If you don't get spiritual amnesia and you don't understand how to appropriate it by God's grace in your life, you will be miserable and leaving your marriage is not going to change it. You're going to be miserable somebody else, somewhere else and leaving your church isn't going to help it because eventually that church is going to make you miserable and leaving your parents or your children and just kind of emotionally abandoning them won't help you because you'll find another relationship to be miserable in and, and just leaving your job because that's just what you got to do is not going to make you better because guess what? If you don't have spiritual amnesia like Joseph, you're going to take the misery with you. You'll take it to your next marriage. You'll take it to your next church. You'll take it to your next job. You'll take it to the next city. It's just going to go with you anywhere you go. Why? Because you have a lens. You don't have a gospel theology of pain. You haven't learned by God's grace how to appropriate and take the lenses off that is now poisoning everything you see around you. And put this on the screens. Wherever pain has existed, I need you to grasp this. Wherever pain has existed, it has the potential to become a lens through which we interpret all future circumstances in that situation. Let me unpack this for a moment. If you have been hurt in your marriage, watch out. Because you... you are, have the potential now to view the next set of actions, the next set of behaviors through that lens of when they hurt you last time, and it will skew the reality of what you see. And this is why Joseph said, God's, God's given me the grace to forget. He's given me the grace to let go. 
wherever pain has existed, if pain has existed in your church family, if pain has existed from your pastor, if it has existed from staff, from another church member, if that pain exists, all of a sudden, if you're not careful, it becomes a lens. And now that lens begins to change and affect how you interpret every other detail that comes to you in that context. This is, I'm, I'm, I desperately want to help some folks right now. Because the lack of spiritual amnesia, you're, you, you can't say like Joseph, he, God's given me the grace to forget. And this is why marriages fall apart. And we get church hoppers that go from church to church to church to church. And people just can't get satisfied in a job. And so they're here a few years at this job and a few years at that job. And, and some of it's, it's, it has nothing to do with this. But let the Holy Spirit apply it where he needs to. Now, get this, once these lenses are, these pain lenses, because we don't have a gospel lens to view pain through, because, we don't, because we're looking at it through the lens of our hurts, now every time a situation happens and every time a circumstance happens, we now interpret that through the lens of our hurts and through our pains, and we cannot see reality for what it is because like, we've not been able to forget and here's what's crazy. What happens? What happens to people in marriages when they put these lenses on and now they're viewing their spouse through this pain? They can't be blessed by their spouse anymore because they interpret it with motives, with attitudes that that individual does not have. And you are literally poisoning your relationships in that area. I'm, I want to help some of you. Your spiritual lenses, your pain that you've gone through is changing the way you interpret details in the life. You think you're seeing it clearly and everybody's looking around you and like, I don't get it. You're like, I know exactly what happened here. I can, I can tell, I'll, I'll pin it down and everybody else is like, oh, I don't think you do. <laughs> Why? It's becoming your reality because you're viewing your reality through the lens of your pain. Your hurt now is redefining, reinterpreting how those details and the meaning that those details have to you. Until all of a sudden, here's what's crazy. In a marriage where this happens is now all of a sudden you are being hurt by your spouse because you're viewing every one of their behaviors and every one of their actions through some hurt that they did you in the past. And even when they're not hurting you, your lenses have a way of reinterpreting it and making something hurt. This happens in churches. It happens in workplaces. And I'm here to say this. It's time to take the pain lenses off. It's time to say, God, like you helped Joseph forget. Help this thing. You're not going to forget it like cerebrally, never remember that that circumstance happened again. But here's what's crazy. It's okay to get hurt over something that hurts you, but now you are making up things to hurt you, and you don't even know it. You're making up things to hurt you in your marriage, and you don't even realize it. You're making up things about your boss and you don't even know it because your lenses are skewed and now you can be hurt by anything that person does. Anything that person says. Anything that person accomplishes because your lens hasn't been forgotten. You need Jesus to allow you to forget. 
Because the last thing you want is to be, to be emotionally hurt by things that are not meant to hurt you. You're putting yourself under undue just pain and anguish. Can I say this? Emotionally healthy people that are experiencing the grace of God don't normally process things this way. If you are emotionally healthy and experiencing God's grace, you're not going to be the type of person that sees a demon behind every bush and makes up. You say, no, I am right. This is my reality. I'm here to say it might be, but it might not be. You might, your, your pain that you went through might be interpreting something that you're going through here in the future. Your heart will begin to fill with resentment, bitterness, and anger if you don't get real good at forgetting things in your past. You say, how do I know if I'm doing this? How do I know if I have pain lenses on and I'm not allowing a gospel perspective to influence my thing? Here's how, you're getting bitter. This is how you know. If you're bitter in your marriage, there's resentment there, you probably have these lenses on and don't even realize it. If you feel resentment welling up in your soul, it's, pro- you be, it's here's why. It's not the spirit of God. It's you have pain lenses. You were authentically hurt. You've kept those lenses on. And now everything's hurting in that environment. And Joseph is saying, praise God, the Lord allowed me to forget. Those things are no longer the lens through which I interpret every future circumstance, situation, and relationship in that environment. Um, I don't want to get too personal, but last year, uh, this happens in marriages, and I'm constantly doing marriage counseling, and a lot of times, this is what happens in marriages. Somebody was authentically did something that actually hurt. Sometimes it wasn't on purpose. Oftentimes, it was just miscommunication. It's like the other person didn't even know, but they hurt them, and they didn't realize it, but it happened. It was real. And then the other person slowly begins to put the lenses on. And there comes a place, if this goes on too long, where no matter what the other person does, nothing heals it. Because the lenses are on, and those new pain lenses, the misery lenses, now interpret every other detail in those circumstances, in that situation. So in the marriage, it might be rough, but they can go to work and it's a different set of lenses because they've not been hurt at work and they can feel all chipper and wonderful or they can come to church. And, but in that situation where they've been hurt, it happens. Don't be the type of person that wallows in self-pity and in misery because while pain is inevitable, it's going to happen. You're going to be hurt by your spouse. Matter of time. You're going to be hurt by by a loved one. It's just a matter of time. I'll say this, and I, I hate that this is true, but because I'm a human being, there will come a point, if you're around here long enough, something I do or forget to do is going to hurt you. I, I hate to admit that, and I wish it weren't true, but it is. And if you're at a job long enough, somebody, some boss, some manager is going to hurt you. And the question is, are we going to deal with it in a Matthew ch- type of manner and engage it and be humble, and meek, and be long-suffering, like 1 Corinthians says love is, because that's what love does. It suffers long. Are we going to keep our lenses on until it's too late, and now we have to break off the relationship in our marriage?
Are we going to wait till it's too late and we have to break off a relationship with somebody in the church? Are we going to wait till it's too late until we have to break off a relationship with our church congregation? Wait till it's too late and we have to just can't stay here at this job anymore. I just, here's my point. Paul said, this is my glory. This is my pleasure. What we need is a gospel perspective of our pain and hurts. Because if we don't get a gospel perspective, if we see blessing, good, <laughs> hardship, bad, you see, oftentimes it's the hardships that actually forge you into the Christ-like character that he wants for you to have. Maybe the fact that your marriage is a little bit more difficult and your church relationships are a little bit harder for you to navigate and the fact that work kind of gets frustrating is maybe the exact reason God wants you there. Maybe he doesn't want you to follow the path of least resistance. Here's my point. God has something bigger and better for you. But just jumping from spouse to spouse to spouse to spouse, and if that's a part of your past, praise God for his mercy and forgiveness. Amen. But from here forward, let's learn how to forgive, to spiritually forget, and no longer allow the past to become the lenses by which we interpret everything in the future. Here's the screen, and we'll shut it down. To forgive means to receive God's healing and accept that the world can be ugly, but that your heart doesn't have to be. We've been hurt, haven't we? Every one of us. Many of you walked into this church building today, and you have, your heart is so broken. And it, it could be a plethora of things. It, it could be your spouse. It could be your child. It could be your parent. It could be your pastor. It could be another church member. It could be your boss. It could be your manager but you're hurting. And I want to say to you, we can move through this. Relationships are a mess worth making. They're worth making. Yeah, relationships are messy. They're hard. And they're difficult. But God's grace can build you through them. And that's what the gospel does. To where Paul would be able to say, I pleasure in him. I don't like him. I wouldn't choose him. But I can pleasure in him. And they're, they're glorious. They're glorious. And we get a gospel perspective of our pain, recognizing that while pain is inevitable, misery, wallowing in self-pity and bitterness and resentment, that, my friend, is optional. You are choosing that, whether you realize it or not. And much of it has to do with the lenses. So, what did we learn today? I am afflicted. And you will be afflicted. And by God's grace, we can be victorious. Shall we pray? Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.